0: The first reading is in the second epistle of Paul to the Thessalonians, chapter 2, verse 1. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy, report, or letter supposed to have come from us, saying that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things? And continuing at verse 13... But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers loved by the Lord, because from the beginning God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then brothers, stand firm and hold to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. This is the word of the Lord. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke, beginning uh, at verse uh, 27 of chapter 20. Glory to you, O Lord. Some of the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, the man must marry the widow and have children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first one married a woman and died childless. The second and then the third married her, and in the same way, the seven died, leaving no children. Finally, the woman died too. Now then, at the resurrection, whose wife shall she be, since the seven were married to her? Jesus replied The people of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of taking part in that age and in the resurrection from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage, and they can no longer die for they are like the angels. They are God's children, since they are children of the resurrection. But in the account of the bush, even Moses showed that the dead rise, for he calls the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for to him all are alive. Some of the teachers of the law responded, well said, teacher, and no one dared to ask him any more questions. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let us pray.
1: May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loves us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage our hearts, and strengthen us in every good deed and word. May I speak in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. Uh, It's a privilege to be able to preach with you this morning. Um, I've only been to this 8 a.m. service once um, so far. That was last week. Um, So Dan's being incredibly brave. Uh, allowing me to preach so soon. Um, it's, uh, I hope, an opportunity for you to get to see a little of me, and I hope in the coming weeks and months to spend a bit more time talking to you about your lives and your relationships with God. I read in the Oxford Times this week of a humanist funeral, or, or rather, I read letters responding to a complaint that a humanist funeral had been the preferred option for an unknown Abandoned child whose mother's wishes could not be known. Tragic circumstances requiring compassionate hearts. But the letters defended humanist funerals on principle. For instance, one said, Feedback suggests we've done a fine good thing. Another, this was truly a community standing together. And perhaps. More comprehensively, a humanist ceremony assumes nothing more controversial than that the girl was human and should be accorded our love and respect. It all sounds so noble and dignified. But how, I wonder, would those defending humanist funerals respond to the question where are the dead now? Do they simply ignore questions about life beyond the grave? Well, in a way, yes, they do. This is the only life we have, they say. And so we ask, where is the hope? Communities honouring the dead, paying respects, standing together is commendable and sometimes the right thing to do. This coming Friday, Armistice Day, is such an occasion. But we ask again, where is the hope? Hope in the face of uncertainty, war and death. Our witness as Christians to the world is one of faith, hope and love. We live in the light of Christ's resurrection. We're to be signs of hope in a hopeless world. We believe in and look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Of course... We live in an age that is highly sceptical of claims of life after death. Perhaps you have friends and family who share this scepticism, but this is no new phenomenon. We turn back to the Luke passage we had read, our gospel reading. We're in Jerusalem after Palm Sunday. And Christ's triumphant arrival. The cheers have given way to challenges. He's having his authority questioned. He tells the parable of the wicked tenants to remind his followers of his impending rejection and death. And Jesus is incited to commit political harry-carry when questioned regarding taxes. And at this point, in come the Sadducees. The Sadducees were the aristocratic religious elite they were committed to a worldview where God rewards the religious and devout. Theirs was a this-worldly religion. Relying on the Mosaic law, they rejected all talk of fate, angels, and especially the resurrection. They enjoyed sparring with the Pharisees who did believe in the resurrection, and they devised clever, cunning little tales and case studies to trick them. And they use one of these in an attempt to challenge Jesus' theology and mock his reputation. They think it's so clever. Ah, Jesus, there's this woman. She rises from the dead. She's been married to seven brothers whose husband is hers. And look how Jesus responds. Yes, he says in verse 34, we marry now, but in the great beyond, there's no marriage He both confirms the life to come and marriage is redundancy. In glory, we who are married are surplus to requirements for our partners. I am excess baggage to my wife in glory. Besides, it could only be a group of men who think that a vision of a woman rising in glory to seven husbands is heavenly. Trust me, seven husbands is an unqualified vision of hell. Or so says my wife. Um, Jesus explains that in heaven we're free from death. We're like angels. Now, no, we don't become angels. It's simply that angels were immortal, as will be. So Jesus has very quickly stated, yes, we marry now. But heaven exists and will be eternal, and with no need for children, there's no need of marriage. Pretty straightforward. And that would have sufficed as an answer to the Sadducees. But Jesus goes on, because he now wants to address their deeper yearning. A deeper yearning, but their question was very straightforward, wasn't it? That they honestly thought that such a juvenile attempt would stump the wisdom of God is hilarious if it didn't perhaps hide a deeper, unspoken, maybe even unacknowledged fear. Perhaps they couldn't face admitting the truth that their worldview offered no hope beyond the grave, nor assurance in this life that they were okay with God. They mock a man with hope the very thing they're looking for. And Jesus, in seeking to address this deeper fear, points to their own scriptures. The Sadducees really only relied on the Torah, the Mosaic law, the first five books of the Bible. And Jesus reminds them of God's appearance at the burning bush in Exodus 3. Several hundred years after their death, Yahweh is revealed as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jesus concludes, he is God, not of the dead, but of the living. Sisters and brothers, we live in an era marked by such evasive mockery. There are people in our lives who gently mock our quirky faith when in fact they can't pluck up the courage to ask us about it. Knowing how they mock you they fear being mocked themselves. Are you attentive to the real questions, the real fears that lay behind the jokes? We believe in the resurrection of the body and the life of the world to come. We believe in a God not of the dead, but of the living. We believe Christ was raised from the dead, the first fruits of this hope, and we who believe in Jesus are alive to God, alive firstly in this life, we who once were dead are now alive in Christ Jesus and we must consider ourselves so, Romans 6. And Jesus here describes those in heaven as children of the resurrection. We are all children of the resurrection And Paul describes us as children of God in Romans 8. That same power which raised Christ from the dead is at work in our lives today, this very hour. So where around us do we hope for that new life? Financial uncertainty, rising levels of hatred and xenophobia, broken marriages, or or even our national church? but we're alive secondly in the world to come. Jesus, in this interaction with the Sadducees, is teaching about life beyond death. He is, of course, subtly pointing to his own story. He was very soon to be killed, but his was a life that death could not defeat. He rose from the grave, and we too will be raised. A defiant note of hope. In a world that thinks that this life is all there is, can we more confidently live under the truth of Christ's resurrection and the courage this gives us for the future? Brothers and sisters, where this day do we need to display and nurture that defiant sign of hope? Might I suggest one practical thing, the collect that we've read this morning is a beautiful piece of theology in which it says that Jesus came that we might be made the children of God. Perhaps this week you might like to pray that collect, take it into your own devotions, maybe say it before lunch or dinner Sunday, I don't know, there's a thought for you. And as I reflect on the humanist funeral for baby Rahana. I am mindful of God's mercy and his love for both the child and the mother. I'm also mindful that those who welcome humanist funerals are welcoming a life without hope, and this grieves me. As we come to the Lord's table, celebrating God's love and mercy, we pray that God will transform us into a people that are living signs of hope, Confident, living in the light of Christ's resurrection. We believe in and look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. We believe in God, not of the dead, but of the living. Let's pray. God of glory, by the raising of your Son, you have broken the chains of death and hell. Fill your church with faith and hope, for a new day has dawned, and the way to life stands open in our Saviour Jesus Christ. Amen.